0: This is an ABC podcast.
1: Once upon a time, it would never have happened. You wouldn't hear or see a woman in the commentary box for top men's sports like football or cricket. Hi, Amanda Smith here, and this is Sporty. One of the most gender segregated areas of life that remains in our world is sport. Of course because it's so much related to physical size and strength, and so traditionally the most popular professionalised sports are played by men. What that's meant is that when it comes to the broadcast of these sports, the commentators are also men, whether they're ex-players or career broadcasters. But that's where things are starting to change, in part at least because there are now women who've competed in these sports at top level.
0: Wingard had an easy entry inside 50, and the concern for Ken Hinkley right now will be the entry inside 50 was poor, but Chad Wingard's chase, or I would say half-jog, in transition just allowed Essendon to turn the ball back inside their own 50-kick and easy goal.
1: That's Lauren Arnell. She was the inaugural captain of Carlton in the AFLW. She now plays for the Brisbane Lions and she's part of ABC Radio's grandstand commentary team for the AFL men's competition in terms of seconds is about the same.
2: Well, we've all been here. I've raced the Tour of Bright. This is what I look like going up off them, but probably at half the speed. It's absolutely a psychological advantage. And if he doesn't have the gear ratio to allow him to spin.
1: And that's Bridie O'Donnell doing commentary on SBS TV for the Tour de France this year, the first woman to do it. Bridie was a road cyclist. She represented Australia at World Championships from 2008 to 2010. And this is Alison Mitchell. Richardson, in again to Shaheen, full
3: driven. Oh, brilliantly stopped. Maxwell.
1: Alison was the first woman to regularly commentate on cricket for the BBC's Test Match Special, and in Australia, the first woman to call men's cricket ball by ball on ABC Radio and on Channel 7.
3: Directed, Safraz is out, Maxwell is engulfed in bear hugs. A brilliant bit of fielding to end a match. Which went one way, threatened to go another. It's provided entertainment and intrigue and ultimately...
1: Alison, you've been doing this for longer than the other two and unlike Bridie and Lauren, you're a career broadcaster rather than a former or current sports person. How did you get behind the mic in the cricket commentary box? (laughs)
3: Yeah. Hi, Amanda. It was, um, I suppose, a long game in a way, although from the outside, you might look and think it was quite a a rapid rise. I was certainly very impatient. It didn't feel like a, a rapid rise, but I, yes, was a career broadcaster and cricket was always my speciality, if you like. It was always my first love. And certainly one thing which I think any female who's worked in sport would say is that when you enter sports journalism, you find very quickly that, and I, and I do believe that there has been a shift in this over the last decade. But certainly, when I was starting, there's just a presumption that as a man, a man just knows sport innately, just knows sport, knows the nuances. Whereas as a woman, you have to somehow prove that you do. Like you don't start from a position of of knowledge. It is assumed that perhaps you don't know what you're talking about. And and the number of times where people said to me, "Oh, you 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 report on cricket? Do you?" do you like cricket? <laughs> As if that was in itself, you know, strange thing for a woman to like it enough to actually understand it. But I actually did my dissertation at university based on the relationship between cricket and television. So I actually had a 12,000 word document, which proved I understood the nuances of the game, which certainly helped me get those first opportunities. But for me, then it was a progression of reporting on cricket and then saying, yes, I want to commentate on it. I have more I want to say on this game. And I started recording myself into in, the, in a tape machine and listening back to it and trying to improve and giving it to producers and bit by bit graduating through the BBC to eventually doing my first international uh, match with Test Match Special, which was in 2007.
1: Mm. Well, Bridie, what of your experience as an international road cycling competitor could you bring to your commentary of the men on the Tour de France this year?
2: I think it was a combination of um, being a spectator, and I've watched the Tour de France for probably 25 years, but also then when I was racing in Europe, social media had only really just started. It was around I think 2009 when Twitter began, and I was using it as a way to communicate with people in English because I lived in Italy, and I started comment tweeting, um, which is I don't know if I coined the term or not, but I would comment tweet women's races because they weren't being broadcast, and I comment tweeted the Beijing Olympics and the London Olympics, and got a lot of people people were following because I was providing insight and I knew the riders um, and then started commentating um, national championships at Ballarat the road cycling and working on how do you talk about live cycling as it unfolds um, and there probably are quite a lot of similarities with cricket Tour de France is kind of like test cricket sometimes there's not a lot happening and you're talking all about the personalities and the stories and then other times it's all action and you know you're really just describing fast-paced activity um The Tour de France this year, though, was my first opportunity to have 23 consecutive nights of working for seven hours just with one other person in a booth commentating the race. And it was, yeah, it was remarkably easy. Because I think when you know so much about the sport and you've experienced what it's like to be exhausted or to crash or to win a race or to not win, which is what happens more often in cycling, you can bring that lived experience and insight. And then, of course, I think having a medical degree and- That's right, because you're a doctor too. I am a doctor, yeah. So, I think um, that provides then a whole element of physiology and injury management and concussion protocol discussions that I think the audience really found- Definitely.
1: Well, Lauren, do you have any sense of how listeners respond to hearing you speak as a footy player about the men's AFL game you're commentating on? You know, a woman speaking from the perspective of a player.
0: Oh, it's it's an interesting question. I think in my experience coming into that from a playing perspective where I'd been media trained to really not say too much and don't give away too many things to then step (laughs) into a radio experience where I was actually being paid to give my opinion and express and, and detail my thoughts. And so that was probably... Yes, was it hard to make that switch? It was initially. And I think I went in and listening even to Alison speak around her training and her background as a journalist, there were some times where Early on, I I felt like a bit of an imposter in a journalist space because I'm I'm trained as a teacher and I I play football. So to come into a space where there are successful journalists who know how to cover the game in that sense, um, I've tried and still try each time I'm working and beyond that to learn the ropes and understand, I guess, the craft of that journalism side and certainly from a radio perspective, being able to put across your views in a short space of time.
1: Alison, given that your role models for commentators of men's international cricket would have all been men, do you call the game the same as them, would you (laughs) say? I mean, is there any discernible gender difference? Um, I think whoever you are, when you're in
3: a commentary position, the most important thing is to be yourself. So yes, I suppose I, I call the game as a female because I am a female, but when I started, the backdrop was that in the UK at that time, a very good friend of mine, Jackie Oatley, had just done her first football commentary on BBC Match of the Day, the flagship programme. And that had been a nightmare, not for her. She did a perfectly good job. The reaction was intense and immense. And that was the backdrop you know, into which sort of I stepped to do my first So did you get that
1: sort of Intensity of reaction?
3: No, I I didn't. And I think this is a really strong lesson in how to progress anyone who's a new voice because people get very comfortable with the voices that they allow into their living rooms and cars and bedrooms and, and to have a strange new voice is a new voice, whatever. But then I was doubly strange because I was female to boot. But... I had really worked my way through the system. I said, all that county reporting I'd done, traveling with uh, the England team, um, I had been a part of the Test Match special team as a reporter for a number of years before I was let loose doing ball by ball, if you like. So actually, when I did my first commentary, first of all, we made no fuss about the fact that it was my first commentary game. I just did it. And a lot of listeners didn't even realise it was the first time I'd commentated. They were so accustomed to my voice by then, and I'd gained that audience trust that it was a natural progression. And at the time, I, I still, now looking back, believe that was the right thing to do because I think if we had, you know, started waving flags and saying, you know, here's our first career, you know, female summarizer who's part of the TMS team, and, and here she is, then you would have been inviting people to shoot you down because that's what the climate was at the time. Yes, yeah, so it would have set you up to fail. Yeah, I think if the shooting down had happened, then yeah, you know, I might not have still been doing it for as long as I've been doing
1: it. Bridie, how did the, the commentary role come about for you with the Tour de France? Uh, I think because I'd commentated the Tour de Under in January this year for
2: the first yeah, yeah. T- time and uh, we did... The women's tour and under, which went really well, and then a couple of days of the men's tour and under. And I think everyone realized that the world doesn't end when a woman talks about men in sport. And cycling, you have to, I'm not trying to win the most sexist sport competition, but um, you know, there's been men's professional cycling for 115 years, and there's still really difficult challenges for professional women, and there isn't even a Tour de France, etc. So um Women are seen as bad luck in cycling teams, like bad juju and they're um, distracting, etc. So there's some very archaic views about what women might know about men's cycling as though it's sort of secret and mythical. Um, cyclists like to think of themselves as very tough and so I suspect that not having a woman was also part of, you know, well, men are tough, the men who comment on it need to be tough and that needs to be the rhetoric. Um, and I think the world has changed. I think our advocacy of athletes has changed and we, we expect more of our commentators these days, a more well-rounded approach to assessing athletes and, and their performances, was it was the right timing. So I think it, it was probably a bit of an aha moment for a lot of people that cycling was starting to catch up with the rest of the world.
1: Lauren, working in the football media for a long time has been a career path for male players to move into. And we're just starting to see that now for female players too. So you on the radio, uh, Daisy Pearce and Abby Holmes, for example, on the Channel 7 AFL coverage. When did you start to think that this might be something you could do, you could aspire to?
0: I would say it wasn't something I thought I could do until it actually happened, to be quite honest with you. I think it's it's really interesting to me the way that I've, I grew up watching football on the TV or going to games, which was a, a huge part of, has always been a huge part of my life, um, is largely reflective of all of the things I will say when I'm on air. And so it's just a case of who will listen to me really. <laughs> and so now I have an audience but the first game I I can remember still figuring out how I would write my notes, how I would prepare for the game, what I might need to say and the method in which I would do that and for weeks and weeks of doing a weekly game from that point it was still this question mark of can I do this and and is this the right fit? Am I as obviously as a female voice, is, is that what people want to listen to but also is what I'm saying valid and I'm probably, to be quite honest, in my fourth season of of doing that role now, feeling finally quite comfortable in that position.
3: Amanda, mm, um, can I add something to that? Yes, please. I very much felt a moment where I felt this is a shift, certainly in cricket. And I believe that the rise in female commentators, and this is mostly talking now about summarising, because in radio, there's a real distinction between the lead commentator, who is the, if you like, the, the broadcast journalist, and the summariser, the colour, who is the ex-player, like your, your Lauren and your Bridie. And... I remember being at the World Cup cricket in Sydney, North Sydney Oval in 2009, at a time when women's cricket was starting to get the sort of visibility and recognition, still not on a par on where it's got to a decade later, but enough visibility and respect that I looked at that group of players, that generation in 2009, thinking this is a generation of players who, when they leave their playing career in another, you know, two, three, five years' time and onwards, they will be able to step across into a commentary box. And and that's in that cohort of players was, for example, Isha Guha, Lisa Stelaika, mm-hmm. who have finished their playing careers and been able to step into the commentary box. So I think it's a, a sort of a dual progression of the... The normalisation of women talking about sports, both female and men's sport, and the rise of women's sport itself, so that somebody like Lauren playing in the AFLW competition that's got, you know, punch, respect, visibility,
1: to then be able to step out and, and have a media career. You're listening to Sporty with Amanda Smith and three female sports commentators who call men's games... Alison Mitchell, who does cricket commentary on TV and radio in both the UK and in Australia. AFLW player Lauren Arnell, who does expert analysis on the AFL for ABC Radio. And former road cyclist Brady O'Donnell, who commentates on the road cycling races, notably this year the Tour de France for SBS. So let me ask each of you, all of you, uh, this question. What impact do you think seeing or hearing you commentating on men's events, whether that's cricket or cycling or football, what impact do you reckon that has on audiences and on the sport, Bridie?
2: It brings a diverse opinion or perspective But it also, um, it showed other people that it's possible um, and that you can, you don't have to have been the Tour de France champion to have an opinion. And back to Ali's comment, you don't have to have played men's test cricket to know what to look for or what to describe. So I think the impact was immense, but also what I know, and this is what SBS have told me, is that they've seen... The biggest audience numbers they've ever seen, and that's not just me, it's the timing of you know, lockdown and high-performance sport, people craving it, but more women than ever before watching the Tour de France and more non-cyclists than ever before. So that's, I mean, that's what they're measuring. They want to see a greater reach a greater impact for their sponsors um if anything the tour de france is the most beautiful three-week postcard of france that anyone can watch Mm -hmm. and so my mum and all her friends who aren't necessarily into bike racing would start to call me and say what do you think do you think that pogachar can win and you think that's wonderful if people people start caring about sport more that weren't necessarily into it for me that's a victory
1: Lauren, what about for you? What what impact do you think hearing you commentating on uh, men's football has?
0: Well, certainly it's, I couldn't agree more with Bridie. I think it's a positive impact from an ABC radio perspective. Our broadcast covers the whole country where commercial radio perhaps doesn't um, in some areas of our land. So, I know one aspect of our call often is it might be a night game and and we'll get some texters in coming from all over the country and and some quite rural spaces and it's really nice. We get some positive feedback which says, oh, thanks for the call, guys. Oh, and Lauren, (laughs) really like the way you describe the game. And so that's very rewarding for me personally but I think also for women in sport, not just in AFL, um, to promote such a simple, it, it feels crazy just saying these words, but to, to promote a simple concept that a female will understand and be able to communicate the game equally as as male. And I, and that's one thing I, I'm i still finding is it's almost a surprise that I'm capable of that because I'm female. And so um, it's always nice to get positive feedback and reinforcement that you are doing your job well and a truckie in the middle of Kalgoorlie can understand what's happening in the game in Brisbane is pretty awesome. So... I think in some aspects, um, my past of being a teacher and being paid to describe things to other people and um, having experience in, in women's football and, and, and coaching in both men's and women's football, sometimes that might give me a bit more relatability than, say, a past men's player who's been in the system 24-7 and speaking a language that your traditional listener and your average truckie may not understand over the radio. So Interesting
1: point, yeah.
0: Yeah, there's strengths, I think, in my background coming to radio and the, the regular feedback I'm getting when it's positive is that we understand what you're describing to us a little bit easier because perhaps I've got a background that lends itself to doing that a little bit better.
1: Alison, anything you'd care to add to that
3: question of impact yeah, just picking up on what Lauren was saying there about um, feedback, I used to get lots of emails from men, you know, surprised at, at at what I knew and sort of pleasantly surprised that a woman could talk so knowledgeably about cricket. And you could take that as being really condescending, but I would just tuck those emails away and just think, okay, that's another person whose view I've changed about what women can know about sport. So that's, that's good. And I just tuck those away and think, okay, yep, yeah, quietly, that's someone else who I've I've hopefully convinced. But I think in terms of mixed commentary teams, yeah, it's a a breadth of perspective, it's chemistry. Uh, I mean, it's, it's not a normal environment to go to work and be the only female either with a whole load of men. And I would spend months of my life on England cricket tours for seven, eight weeks at a time, me and all men. So I love the fact that there are more women with me now and we have just a much more normal workplace but the question of impact I think for me is accessibility and I love it when even last summer in Australia a family stopped me and it was a a father was there with his young daughter and he just said thank you for what you do on the ABC because when my daughter hears your voice she then feels that cricket's for her as well and that for me I think encapsulated why mixed commentary teams can have an impact because you're speaking to just a broader audience and that's what it's got to be about isn't it? it's bringing more and more people in
1: all right well now finally I want to ask each of you what your best and worst best and or worst experiences as a sports commentator have been Bridie do you want to start
2: oh gosh I don't have enough time to tell you my worst ones, but um, I'll try <laughs> and give you the high, la, la, low, 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 lights real. Look, I think the start is just um, a sense of being completely disregarded, spoken over, or saying something that you think is insightful and literally 10 seconds later having a male broadcaster repeat exactly what you just said. I mean, that's not something single to to broadcasting. We see that in boardrooms and, you know, that famous cartoon that Gillian Triggs talks about, which is, you know, that's a wonderful idea, Gillian, perhaps one of the men would like to have it. Um, Then I started to think, well, why am I here if you're just actually going to steal my ideas live on air? What value is that? And that doesn't make for good broadcasting and neither does speaking over other people or interrupting them. So that's, that's a negative experience and then I was listening to footy and other things and that happens a bit sometimes too in other situations. Um, but the best has been working particularly with Matthew Keenan who's one of the best cycling commentators I think and, and we've been doing world championships and some of the spring classics together, just the two of us, and working with one other person and Ali's right, it is a very unusual combination of professional respect, chemistry, adding value, listening to what they're saying so that you can then add the value or or challenge what they might have said and say, actually, I was thinking more about this. Um, That dynamic and particularly the World Championships that we commentated on SBS, the women and men's races, were scintillating bike races, um, difficult and interesting outcomes. And and then what you realise the next day or people send you a message is you think, gosh, some people would give their left leg to do this job. To, to talk about cycling on the radio or on TV for a job, get paid to do it. And so, we need to check ourselves sometimes and think, holy moly, I'm doing something that people would absolutely love to be doing.
1: All right, Lauren, your best and worst times in the commentary <laughs> I'd love box. I'd to finish
0: on a positive. So, I'll, I'll, along the lines of Bridie, I think, <laughs> um, yes, I've, I've done a little bit of television as well and I think that that's – Uh, lends itself to more of my negative experiences, if we can call them that. I think having to present yourself in a certain way, being female, being expected to look a certain way, have your hair and your makeup a certain way, that's certainly something that has never been enjoyable for me. And I'm a pretty laid-back person, particularly if I'm just going to watch a game of football, I'm not really overly interested in dressing up. And so arriving at, at a football game to work on air on television, has been challenging for me in the past and, and certainly the experience for me and the types of reactions from the crowd if I'm walking around the boundary line with full hair and makeup, boots and a long coat is very different to if I was arriving at a game and sitting in the outer and watching it. Or indeed arriving, arriving as a player. Yeah, and I, I've, I've felt many times quite uncomfortable in that situation. And I would say, I think other other experiences on on radio and television is simply that your co workers or others that are working with you, they might even just be behind a camera or behind a mic, that they're really not expecting very much from you. <laughs> and you do carry a sense that that's, um, you don't carry the same, uh, you know, might be 250, 300 men's games that they've played. Um, but to be in a position where you're female and, perhaps you have a similar or more greater level of insight than what they've had, that there's sometimes a surprise and shock that you might have that level of knowledge. Um, So that's a little negative, but certainly that very heavily outweighed by positives from my, my perspective, sitting alongside in what we call the expert chair, which sometimes still makes me feel a little bit uncomfortable calling myself an expert, Uh, sitting alongside people like Nathan Burke, Matthew Primus, who was an AFL coach, David Parkin, and having amazing, respectful conversations and and insightful conversations around a game. Um, And I'd say my highlight would be just this weekend just gone. I worked my first AFL Grand Final. Um, The buzz of the crowd was incredible at the Gabba and just being being as fortunate as I was to sit in the position that we sit in on the ground but then to be paid to offer my opinions and thoughts on what's unfolding in front of us in a really exciting game is an absolute thrill and, and a privilege.
3: Uh, Lauren and Bridie, I would really want to say to you guys. I've sat next to so many ex-ex sportsmen and and women that you guys are absolute experts in what you know. You know, never doubt yourself, Lauren, in terms of why you're sitting in that seat because your perspective is absolutely valid and there's a reason why I've been asked to sit there and, and be yourself. You know, <laughs> um, but just to give my, I don't mean, there's been yeah a lot of. A lot of strange experiences, a lot of highlights. I've been really fortunate to do sports beyond cricket, so tennis and uh, London 2012 Olympics. I was the gymnastics commentator and we had some amazing moments with British gymnastics winning medals for the first time and really creating their own history in those games and home games. Anyone who was at Sydney 2000 will remember how special a home games uh, is. Um, Gosh, I've been evacuated live on air from commentary boxes when fire alarms have gone off. I got stuck in a toilet once in a cricket ground in India. India, um, when I was uh, meant to be up in the com box, and the worst thing was my colleagues didn't even miss me and realised that I'd gone. I was stuck for about twenty minutes in this hot hot box with mosquitoes and everything. Um, a real highlight for me would be the Women's World Cup final at Lords in 2017 when England won it in front of a packed crowd. And you know that crowd's been you know, it exceeded um, two, three, fourfold with the MCG crowd for the Women's T Twenty World Cup yes. final. But that that final at Lords was kind of the first moment where you know we got a packed. packed packed stadium for a women's final enormous television audience and um, I'll gloss over the only genuinely negative experience I've had in a commentary box which was one of my very very first international games I ever did and and it was actually a, a, a foreign commentator so not not one who's sort of regularly with us on the England beat and someone I've barely worked with since actually because he sat down next to me in the commentary box and said hello legs and um, and uh, they never really worked with us again. <laughs> and I felt very glad actually for the um, the support of the producer who I was working with then because he absolutely just said, "I don't think he will be working with us again." And yeah, it was it was just a moment. Um, the massage of my shoulders on the way out of the box also wasn't terribly welcome. But um, that's genuinely
1: been the only, if you like, negative experience on that front that that, that I've had. Fortunately. And Alison Mitchell is a sports broadcaster best known as a cricket commentator on radio and television in the UK and in Australia. Bridie O'Donnell is a former road cyclist, now cycling commentator on SBS TV for the Tour de France this year, as well as other European races. And Lauren Arnell is an AFL footballer with the Brisbane Lions AFLW side and a footy commentator of the men's game on Grandstand on ABC Radio. A huge pleasure to speak with you all thank you so much and I wish you all the very best with your commentating endeavours Lauren thank you
0: thank you it's been wonderful really great to chat with all of you thank you very much and Bridie thanks to you
1: yeah thank you it's wonderful to hear from you all and Alison thanks to you thanks Amanda good to be here
2: This is unprecedented. No one expected that Bernal would be dropped and gap like this with still 12.8 kilometres to go. He looks surprised and disappointed. Job is there, inside edge, all oh, taken brilliantly
3: by Carey, diving away to his left-hand side, grabs it one-handed. He's off the
0: inside edge. He ultimately takes it down the leg side. Excellent bit of keeping. I think Berkey, what they need to do to flip it on its head, obviously they need to get first hands on the footy. Essendon have got all the petrol tickets in the world going forward. Sport have got to be able to make a move and burn them a bit when they've got the footy, and that's going to be key for them in the second quarter.
1: Three terrific women, terrific commentators of their sport. And this is Sporty. It's produced by Damien Rabbit, and I'm Amanda Smith.